from my high school. My parents sent me to Turkey. Uh, I did my high school in Turkey. And during my high school time, I was really passionate about physics. So I participated in a national physics Olympiad. Then I went to um, Asia Physics Olympiad. Then I went to International Physics Olympiad. And I got bronze medal in International Physics Olympiad. Then I got a um, few invitations from universities. And one of the invitations was from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. And then after my graduation, I got a good job offer. My parents, frankly, they didn't even know where Singapore is. Sure, but once I moved to Singapore, then I invited them to Singapore, showed show them what Singapore is, <laughs> how it looks like and everything. Then they were quite satisfied. Welcome to SeedStars Podcast. SeedStars is an organization that aims to have an impact in emerging markets by supporting the local entrepreneurs, investing in their ventures, but also sharing their story globally because we really believe they are the true heroes. We'll be listening to them and other thought leaders and disruptors that are really shaping the future of tomorrow. And we hope that together we can build a sustainable impact. Hi, everyone. This is Elise, co-founder of SeedStars, and I'm here today for a new episode for SeedStars podcast. I'm very happy to welcome Emir, which is actually one of the five top finalists of the SeedStars World Competition. For you, those that don't know about it, it's a competition now present in 83 countries. We received over 5,000 applications, narrowed it down to 86 winners, 44 semi-finalists across the different regions, and Emir is one of the top five. Hi, Emir. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hi, thanks a lot for having me. I'm so happy to be here and happy Thank to share you. my story. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Everyone wants to know it. So maybe uh, talking about the competition in itself, uh, my first question... Um, Okay, so so that we set the tone for the for the audience, if you could quickly present yourself and and tell us, uh, were you expecting to be in the top five, or was this a big surprise for you? Sure. Uh, so my name is Amir. I'm CEO and co-founder of Resync. So Resync based in Singapore. Uh, of course, as an entrepreneur, I always hope for the best, and I expect <laughs> if I didn't expect to be in the final, I won't I won't participate in this event. But of course, it was. Um, unexpected surprise for us as well to be selected as a top five finalist and compared to the um to the other finalists did, did you think you were uh, much further ahead or did you get did you feel like you were at the same stage of uh, growth of business oh i think the, um, everyone has their own story and we can't compare each startup to each startup of course there are um, uh, some startups we are which are really in advanced stages some in the early stages but I believe, I think, uh, most of us seen a lot <laughs> yeah. by the time we came to this event. And I can tell, I think everyone done a great job so far. I mean, all the finalists that have been selected and all the uh, companies that have been uh, selected for the finals even, not yeah, the top, top finalists. It's really impressive. And tell me, what um, what were some of the, did you feel like there were tough questions from the jury uh, so far, or it seemed uh, reasonable. I think it. <laughs> I think it seemed reasonable. Reasonable because uh, most of these questions are coming from the VCs as well. From when you raise the money or when mm -hmm. you tell your story. Um, so we were quite prepared for those questions, and we knew the answers. But of course, some of the questions uh, dig a bit deeper, and mm -hmm. we had to think about it as well. But we, uh, as you know, every entrepreneur. All these questions are not to catch you. Those questions, you know, they're just um, to let you know the things. So when Absolutely. you don't need to take it personally, but you need to take it like, hey, maybe I didn't think about it and I should start thinking about it. 
So we take it always as a comment, as a feedback from the VC rather than like, you know, a tricky and what question. Do, maybe you can pitch us quickly your business model and tell me what do you think is the most misunderstood part of your business uh, when you interact with the investor community? Sure. Uh, so what we do at Resync is we are developing intelligent energy cloud platform for energy management systems. Uh, we enhance our solution with machine learning applications and artificial intelligence. So in a simple words, we um, provide a platform where we aggregate various IoT devices and energy assets. Uh, we work B2B, so we work with energy companies, uh, utility providers, real estate owners, and et cetera. We do solutions for smart building solutions or smart grids. Uh, I think the biggest challenge when we speak to VCs is uh, most of the VCs are quite new to the energy space in general because energy space has been very stagnant, very traditional for the past 100 years. And now it's slowly starting to digitalize, you know, integrate more of a dig digital uh, side of it. And when we speak to VCs and telling them like, hey, you're going, we're going to disrupt the energy space, uh, we're bringing something new to it. Most of the VCs, um, they don't have experience in the energy space. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, they're quite advanced in e-commerce, they're quite advanced in fintech, medtech maybe, but there are only few VCs who are really knowledgeable in the energy space. And I think that's the tough uh, ice to crack for us, but so far we did quite well, I think. So, so before talking about the fact that you're in Singapore, because actually you're yeah. from Turkmenistan, um, can, can, let's rewind maybe a bit. Why did you end up in Singapore? Kind of what, what's your story? <laughs> when did it start this whole sure. entrepreneurial journey? Sure, sure. So I, originally I'm from Turkmenistan. I grew up there. Uh, and then for my high school, my parents sent me to Turkey. Uh, I did my high school in Turkey. And during my high school time, I was really passionate about physics. So I participated in a national physics Olympiad. Then I went to um, Asia physics Olympiad. Then I went to international physics Olympiad. And I got bronze medal in international physics Olympiad. Then I had, had uh, yeah, thanks. That was back in the day. So uh, then I got a um, few invitations from universities. And one of the invitations was from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. And I looked at it. It was great, like really great university. So I decided to go uh, to come to Singapore on a full scholarship. So I did my studies in electrical electronics engineering in Singapore. Um, and then after my graduation, I got a good job offer from uh, REC Solar, it's a so, renewable company, yeah. So, so let's, let, let's, uh, let's go okay. through that already, because, sure. um, so your parents decided to send you to Turkey be, because for, for uh, school, um, school in yeah. terms of quality of education, they thought it was best exactly. for you to be exposed to that, to, to go to Turkey. And so you were already very uh, entrepreneurial by default because you had to figure out day-to-day -day life on your own. How did you... Was that, yeah, so was that they, tough for you? I think that's uh, that's a good thing that happened to me because they sent me at very early age. I was like 11, 11, wow. 12, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, so they sent me for the boarding school. So it was a boarding school. I used to live there with uh, my class, classmates. And it was from, you know, from 11, you start to learn like how to do your own things, how to take care of yourself and be a honey badger, basically. You have to find a way, you know, out of few situations. And I think that teached me a lot. Yeah, and also adapted me for independent life. So when whenever I go to overseas for my uni studies, I didn't feel like, you know, this is something new for me. Did you at that time already, so maybe through the also the, the physics competition, but did you feel like 
entrepreneurship was a career path for you or you were much more traditional and that's why you started as an employee in an energy company? Um, of course, I didn't think about like since my childhood that I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think back in the days, I didn't even know what entrepreneur is or who entrepreneur is. Yeah. Your parents, your parents <laughs> weren't entrepreneurs. No, 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 they're not. Okay. Um, and then, um, but I always wanted to do something different. So it's always, I was always passionate about techie stuff. Uh, I always thought about like uh, trying to do something on my own, but I didn't have that entrepreneur uh, roadmap in my uh, mind. But then, okay. of course, after graduation, even during my studies, I started to understand what, is, what are the startups, how it works, how's the ecosystem dri uh, driven. And then I thought to myself that I definitely need some experience in the industry first before doing something on my own, because I need to see how the things are moving, how's the industry in general, uh, whether it's really worth to do something new, and what are the issues in, um, uh, in the industry that I can tackle. And that's one of the reasons why I went to the industry first. And the industry was a no-brainer for you. It was You always felt like if you, there was a space where you had to disrupt or participate and create, it was in the energy sector or was this opportunistic? Uh, not really. So, <laughs> so <laughs> since I'm from Turkmenistan, Turkmenistan is very rich in oil and gas. And my parents always wanted me to go to oil and gas, oil and gas, oil and gas. And yeah. And so I decided, that's, that's like the, the golden path if you come from Turkmenistan in terms of career. Of okay. Of course. Yeah. Because it's, um, I mean, everyone knows oil and gas companies doing really well. Used to do really well since recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but my parents, since my childhood, they always wanted me to, to go for the um, oil and gas. And that, like, it, of course. And, but then once I started to learn more about physics, more about electronics, and uh, back in 2010, that's around uh, when I did my uni studies, um, the solar boom started. So renewables started to boom in the industry. Everyone started to talk about sustainability, uh, solar cells, solar panels, and etc. And that kind of like um, got me interested and I started to research in terms of the, what's happening in that industry in renewable and sustainability industry. And luckily in Singapore in 2009, there was a Norwegian company that relocated from Norway uh, full production to Singapore, even though Singapore is a very small country. Um, and then I decided to like, yeah, why not? Why, why don't I just like try myself in this industry and see what can I do there? So there is no, because it's funny because there's kind of this clash between uh, the old world with oil and gas, which is completely represented by your childhood and your parents' ambition, and this new world that you're tackling, which is really trying to build sustainability um, and have an impact. Um, how do your parents see this shift and uh, do, they, do they agree with you now? Now, yes. Now, for sure, I guess. <laughs> I hope uh, they do still. But uh, back, um, back when I just told them that I'm going to Singapore, uh, my parents, frankly, they didn't even know where Singapore is. So they were like, oh, why are, you going, yeah, why are you going to Singapore? What are you going to do there? What are you going to study there? And et cetera. And um, yeah, I, I kind of tried to convince them, but it was a bit hard to do. <laughs> mm. um, because you know they always wanted me to go through one path and then I chose to, decided to go to another path but then of course once I sure but once I moved to Singapore then I invited them to Singapore show, show them what Singapore is <laughs> how it looks like and everything then they were quite satisfied 
So it's not easy to go against your parents. Was this a tough decision, even though they really didn't want you to go to Singapore and start your studies and 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 do engineer uh, studies, or did that come from your personality, or was this kind of something familiar for you because you had been kind of solo uh, since yeah, the age of eleven? I think. Um, I mean, I have huge respect for my parents. That's for sure, and. The way I treated it is like, you know, um, we did our research before we went to university. So we looked up what are the rank, university rankings, what are the good fields to study at, um, how Singapore is doing in terms of the education, and et cetera. And then that's one of the reasons how I made up my decision. And my parents, they were driven like, like, like an entrepreneurship, right? So entrepreneurs, they always think out of the box and they consider a lot of different factors. But then uh, there are traditional mindsets as well. So my parents were traditional mindsets. So everyone yes. goes to oil and gas. You should go oil and gas. It's quite safe path and etc. Um, but then I tried to explain to them like you know, hey, uh, Singapore is really nice. They're providing full scholarship. The, the like the education is about the new technology and etc. 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 And then my parents were quite reasonable as well. Of course, they were disappointed a bit at the beginning. But they always supported me throughout my life. So, <laughs> what has been kind of the biggest cultural clash for you since you've arrived uh, in Singapore? Uh, it's a difficult question because uh, I think in Turkmenistan and Turkey there are four seasons, and in Singapore it's one season all around the year. So um, uh, that's the only I think um, challenge was for me at the beginning. But rather really? than that, I think yeah, yeah, I think rather than that, I adapted quite quickly. Um, so so seasons seasons it, it it hit you hard that there was no winter uh, summer autumn yeah yeah because they when there they, there is no uh, season different seasons um the time passed really quickly because you always feel that it's the same thing you know it's just yes. like a, it's just summer summer is ongoing ongoing and kind of t you look up, look back and you're like, wow, four years down the road, you know, I'm graduating <laughs> from the uni. And because in summer you have more energy and you're just going full speed, full speed all the time? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's one of the things that basically were hard to adopt at the beginning. But other than that, I think everything was quite good. I think Singapore is quite diverse in that sense. So Singapore, sure. uh, it's a multicultural country. Has a, In terms of the food, you will never feel left over because you can find any kind of food in Singapore in terms of the people. Everyone is super friendly, everyone coming from different backgrounds, uh, everyone quite supportive as well. Um, so in that in the cultural sense, I think you can always fit well in Singapore. <laughs> and do you think you made the right decision in terms of launching ReSync um, in Singapore? And why did it make sense to stay um, in Southeast Asia versus maybe going and testing it out in Central Asia or Europe directly? Sure, uh, definitely. I think um, I made the right decision because Singapore is a technological hub of Asia and Singapore yes. has one of the big, uh, one of the biggest and the best uh, ecosystems in Southeast Asia. Um, and I think in Asia as well, because uh, it's growing really rapidly. So government uh, providing a lot of incentive, a lot of support for the startups and pushing new technologies. And that's the Singapore's motto. They always have to be one step ahead in terms of technology of others. Um, and I think it's a great push for us as well, because we see how the ecosystem developing. Uh, when we speak to investors, you know, they understand what you're talking about. 
they have more or less similar mindsets. When you speak to fellow uh, entrepreneurs, they're quite supportive in that sense. Hey, guys, you can do that. You can do this. Maybe you should try this and et cetera. Um, I think in that sense, we did the right uh, choice. But of course, Singapore is quite expensive in terms of like running your business. True. If you're doing... Um, if you're trying always, to be leaner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it always... Um, the pros and pros and cons, right? So we always try to find the best way to uh, adapt certain things. So what we do, we build our core team in Singapore. And then, of course, we hire some remote engineers which, um, to execute some of the things that can be done remotely. And where did you go remote for your engineers? What looked? How did you make that analysis? Yeah, we have a lot of options. So we started with India because that's where uh, our customer base started to grow fast. And we okay. decided to open, yeah, we decided to open a small team in India. Uh, but, you know, there are really great talents in Indonesia, in Vietnam. It just depends True. what type of talent you are looking for, uh, what are the markets you're attacking, and what type of manpower you require in that market. It's strange to think that uh, India was kind of your first customer base because I would see, so it's clear for me Singapore is kind of the perfect test bed to prototype these type of smart city solutions, um, as you mentioned, because it's such a mature ecosystem, but also such a mature government and city um, that is yeah. looking to, to test out these, uh, these types of technologies. Uh, how did it come about having customers in India and what was their pain that you were solving? The reason why India uh, having a really big customer base is uh, because India is one of the governments uh, India government, one of the few governments that committed really a lot towards uh, sustainability. So they committed around $100 billion until 2021. So wow. that means around 100 gigawatt of solar installations. And government really pushed uh, local companies. So some of the companies who are working in mining, some of the companies who are working in you know, steel, they started to convert, convert towards sustainability. They started to deploy solar more and more. And that's why we knew that, you know, and one of the factors of the sustainable city or smart city is basically renewables because it's mm. a distributed energy asset. And then we went to the companies who, uh, who do the installation, et cetera, and we started to propose them our solution. And we know that uh, because I'm coming from the solar background, my co-founder coming from the energy uh, background, and then we started to explain to them what are the issues may arise and what are the issues that we are solving using our solution. So it was really uh, the right timing for you because you were coming in yeah. just when they were starting and didn't have necessarily themselves the expertise and you could be that partner to guide them through. Yes, and, uh, exactly. where How are you spread out today in terms of customer base? Oh, we have customers all across Southeast Asia. We have customers in Indonesia, India, Thailand, Japan, uh, Singapore. We have few deployments in Malaysia. Uh, and few projects in Middle East. And now, uh, just like a few weeks back, I came back from Russia. But because of okay. this uh, pandemic uh, virus thing, we kind of stopped the project um, in okay. Russia. But yeah, we are quite agnostic in terms of the markets. But because we are based in Singapore, we started to focus of more course. on nearby markets. And so someone that's been brought up um, in uh, Central Asia and the Middle East and is now building a company and, and, and your leadership in Southeast Asia. Um, have you had difficulty in managing your talent or um, do you have anecdotes of just 
having these types of cultural clashes or not the right kind of tools to manage um, in these different markets, because we think it's the same box when we talk Southeast Asia, but it's so different working uh, with yeah. Vietnamese versus Malaysians uh, or Indonesians. Yeah. How have you tackled that? Because you've been, you've gone quite global quickly. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's a good question. I think the Part of me that, like, you know, I grew up in Turkmenistan. Uh, we have influenced by Russia. Uh, then I did my studies in Turkey. And then I uh, did my uni studies in Singapore. Helped me a lot because I've seen a lot of different cultures. True. And throughout my life, I tried to, you know, uh, fit into the different cultures. And then that helped me to communicate with uh, different people from different backgrounds, I think. Um, and even within our team, we have. Uh, all kind of backgrounds. We have guys from Singapore, we have guys from India. Um, and then um, when we speak to them, when we try to, you know, execute certain things, everyone has their own personality, everyone has their own type of perception of things. Uh, mm -hmm. But we try to be reasonable. And of course, when you speak to customers, before we enter a certain market, uh, we consult our investors or we consult our advisors in terms of like, hey, what should we focus on first? Uh, what type of the notes we should take care of? For example, when you go to India, uh, it's a very um, cost-driven market. So when you speak okay. to them, you have to be uh, um, very careful in terms of your pricing uh, because the margins are very small and et cetera. When you speak to customers in Singapore, uh, they are more technology-driven. So they're more interested in terms of like the product. Um, what, yeah, the product itself, what's new there and et cetera. When you go to Russia, it's more of um, IP driven. Like, uh, okay, you deploy your solution, you're going to do that, but how are we going to protect it? What's going to happen in terms of security and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So different markets has their different uh, priorities and criteria. Uh, and of course, before we go enter those markets, we do our homework. And how is is your investor base as diverse as your as your team and, and clients? Yeah. Uh, how, so can can you share it uh, to us a bit? Who are your investors sure. and where you, where you stand in your fundraising? Sure. So first of all, I think I would like to mention that we spinned off from Entrepreneur First. So Entrepreneur okay. First it's a London based uh, accelerator. Um, and but they from are, Singapore, or you were you yeah, went to we, London. No, we did it in Singapore. So they are okay. based in uh, London and Singapore was their second office globally. Okay. So they started in London and the second office was, uh, second cohort was in Singapore. So uh, we went to their second cohort in Singapore. So um, they are our first investors, of course. Uh, and Singapore nowadays, oh, and Entrepreneur First has nowadays uh, offices in all across the world. So that helped us a lot as well in terms of the communication. And other investors, we are backed in Singapore by SG Innovate. So SG Innovate helping us a lot. Uh, they're one of our investors as well, but they're helping us uh, in terms of the expansion, in terms of the introduction and et cetera. Uh, can, and you then just, we have, uh, can you confirm SG Innovate is the government-backed uh, investment fund or is it completely private? Uh, I don't want to speculate uh, but <laughs> um, much, but of course they have some interaction with, um, uh, with the government. Uh, they're in okay. very good um, relationship with government. And I think they're helping government to do the investment. But I don't know okay. whether it's you know, a fully government. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, uh, okay. Understood. So you have um, you have them it's, and that are Singapore-based also? Yes. Uh, and then we have some of the angel rounds. The, after our um, 
incubation program, we went with an angel round. So we raised okay. our angel round with few angels and those angels, uh, some of them, they have invested into the energy companies before. And that helped us a lot uh, because they knew what we are solving, what are the issues that we are tackling. Um, and then we used that money to, for another year to you know, develop our product. We didn't focus on sales at all. We more focused on product. And then once we our product got ready for commercial use, we went to, to the market and raised with um, uh, venture funds. So we raised we, with, uh, for our pre-Series A round. Uh, the round was led by the Singapore-based company, uh, VC, uh, called um, August One. Okay. Um, and co-invested by SG Innovate. Uh, but then in the round, we had a few VCs, uh, one VC from India, one VC from Indonesia. Uh, and those were our strategic VCs who helped us to do the new introduction within those markets. Okay. So that's really, uh, yeah. So that really helped you build your network. And yes. Curr- and currently you're fundraising for how much? We are not fundraising at the moment. We are planning to fundraise at the end of the year. We just closed our recent fund um, around four and a half months ago. We closed 1.6 million Singapore dollars. So that will allow you to uh, set up your Salesforce team in these different markets and, and potentially expand to continue to expand in Middle East and, and, and Central Asia? Yeah, that's the plan at the moment. So we are a team okay. of 12 people at the moment and we are trying to expand more. And so what, because it's been, ReSync is a story of now three, you're three years old or a bit more? How, how, how old is the company? Two yeah, years, two old. years okay. old. Yeah. And uh, in these two years where you mentioned you really focused on the product in the first phase and now you're, 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 you're pushing on sales, what, what has been the, the most difficult challenges? Was it on the fundraising side? Was it on the product side? Was it on the management uh, side? I would say all of the both, but <laughs> at the beginning, yeah, at the beginning, it was, of course, uh, the fundraising because we tried to explain our idea. We had tried to sell our idea, but we had only a few things on hand uh, to showcase to the customer, uh, to the VCs and VCs didn't understand clearly what we're trying to do. But then we were lucky enough to find these angels who understood what uh, the issue we are trying to solve, what the problems that we are tackling. Uh, they invested in us and we spent some time on a product to have a... Um, mm. uh, product on hand to showcase to the customers, to showcase to the VCs. And once we get few number of customers uh, on board, then we went to the VCs with the, that product on hand as well. We showcased them the pilot uh, run results and et cetera. And then they, of course, decided to invest into us. Okay. That, and, was, uh, the, go yeah, ahead. that was the fundraising. That was the fundraising challenge. But then of course, uh, another challenge is because, you know, the manpower is very expensive in Singapore. Uh, then finding a right manpower is more expensive because uh, really good talents, they don't want to leave their companies or they're really asking for uh, for big wages. Yeah, And then you have to sell them your ideas, sell them, um, show them what is interesting there for them um, as well. And it's always a challenge like to find a really good talent and to convince him to join your company. So that was like the uh, hiring challenges. And then, of course, sales, uh, because we do B2B sales, uh, the sales process is longer, of course. And then we have to uh, find different ways for different markets, how to speed up the sales cycles. Uh, Yeah, we're also a lot in B2B, so it's uh, (laughs) I understand the pains. Um, Maybe... uh, in. Going into kind of the sustainability and, and, and impact topic, how much, like, do you 
um, consciously track your impact uh, with your business, uh, which actually could does help to 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 recruit the right talent. And was this a factor of investment for your investors till today, or they don't they they're not necessarily interested in that? No, we have we have some investors, angel investors, who are um, uh, really sustainability driven. Uh, but of course, most of our investors are monetary driven uh, because at the end of the day, it's an investment, right? Um, yeah, so it's traditional and, VC funds uh, with, uh, okay. Yeah, but of course, we have investors who are driven by the sustainability. Purely, they invested because we are working in a sustainability field. We have those investors as well. Um, and also in terms of the uh, manpower, it really helps in order to hire right manpower because whenever we deploy our solution with customer, we, of course, we have weekly meetings. We present what's going on, what our uh, what we achieved so far in certain, with certain customers and what are the savings. And then we tell them like, hey, you know, this uh, part of the code that you wrote, it saved this customer around, let's say $10,000. And it's kind of motivating the uh, employee as well. You know, hey, my, my contribution is really high to this. And whatever I do, it's like directly hands-on. It goes into the production, and it basically some people benefit from it. It's a good motivation for for employees. You know, you you do some impact, uh, and you share. Do you do you measure yeah. it? Do you actually have these kind of impact indicators that you yeah. track? Okay. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, with with every customer, we have what are the direct savings that we have provided with them. What are indirect savings uh, that potentially can be achieved. Um, and what are some features that basically super helpful for them in terms of the operation? Looking, maybe going back to your entrepreneurial journey, um, you mentioned that you had a co-founder. What's your yeah. relationship and how did you both meet? Uh, because um, I always find this really interesting and, and such an, an important factor to why a company will succeed or not if the founders are still together and and if they're complementary, at least I feel like for Seed Stars, we were we're seven years in, and we're still the same co-founders, and um, and make it makes a huge difference. What, what's kind of your story of partnership and and until today? So, yeah, so my co-founder is Dr. Jantika Sony. Uh, I met her during our Entrepreneur First program. Uh, I'm a techie guy, but she's a mastermind of our solution. So she did her PhD. <laughs> Yeah, she's really good. So uh, she did her PhD specifically focusing on developing control grids for energy and power systems. Um, so when we met first time, I think we met one week before the program started because I got the list of the all the attendees of the program. Then I went to check background checks and I identified some of the guys who are from the energy background. And then I just texted separately to everyone saying like, hey, you want to grab a coffee before the program starts? At least, you know, we figure out like we are all from energy backgrounds. And we were all Wait, together. sorry. So the the, the program the program is much more of an incubator where you come in as a potential wannabe entrepreneur, but you don't necessarily yeah. have a business at this stage, and they yeah. match you with other potential. Okay, exactly. wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a unique part of the entrepreneur first uh, program. So they don't um, look at the, co- the direct companies. So you can be just an uh, entrepreneur, single entrepreneur. With an entrepreneurial mindset, of course, they do certain uh, evaluation in terms of like uh, interviews and etc. And then if they decide that you have that entrepreneurial mindset, they basically invite you for the program. And then the first three months, you try with the different entrepreneurs. You have pool of these hundred people where you be- basically go and try to do certain ideas, 
try to figure out whether you work out with that co-founder well, whether the idea that you guys are working is well, whether your skills are fitting. And within these three months, if you figure out certain ideas and you present to the investment committee and the investment committee decides that, yeah, these guys are working well and I think they can achieve something, then you basically go for another three months to bring that idea to more like an MVP, minimum value product. So you were saying you 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 text a number of people where you thought CV-wise it could fit. Um, and then how was your selection process in uh, making the match? Yeah, I think initially what I thought, I just checked backgrounds and saw like people yeah. who are from energy background or who are more or less relative to the energy. Um, then we just all created a group and we said like, hey, you know, guys, we are all from the similar backgrounds from energy. Do you think it would be good if we can catch up for a coffee uh, all together and, you know, just get an early introduction to each other and just find more in details who, because, you know, when you find a co-founder, it's not just the background in terms of the technical, it's also like how you click in terms of the personality. Of course, um, of course. Yeah. And then, yeah, we had a coffee, we discussed and et cetera. And then you basically identify certain people that you really want to give a shot uh, with. Um, and then, yeah, once the program started, we started, but I think with Giantica, I clicked say on an exact day, on a first day, because he had a super relevant background. I liked the personality. Uh, we, it doesn't mean that we didn't go through ups and downs because, uh, sure. throughout the program, of course, we had different opinions. We were even like, sometimes, you know, go in a room, like try to like you know, figure out certain things, maybe on a high notes and etc. but we. The good thing about us, I think, is uh, our relationship, I would say, is um, we never take it personal. We know that uh, yeah. whatever we, you know, it goes into the heat up discussion or whenever someone tries to push their idea, it's always for the benefit of the company. And we have our roles are quite clear. So whenever it's on a, in terms of the business, in terms of the strategy, in terms of the sales, I basically um, express my opinion, she express your opinion. But at the end of the day, I make my decision because that's more towards my um, side. Uh, and then whenever it comes to the technology, so uh, I express my opinion, she expresses her opinion, and she makes the dec final decision. And I have to respect that whether it's right or not. Um, it's always because otherwise, you know, we have to put some responsibilities very clear because it's just two co-founders. Of course. Um, of course. And, and you're really saying it right. I think it's uh, aligning on the values and kind of what type of person you are in personality versus just aligning on competencies, which is not going to help exactly. you manage the highs and lows, uh, yeah, which exactly. is a whole other world. And yeah. uh, was it important that she stays also in Singapore today in the development phase, or are you thinking of maybe spreading out also the team uh, um, more uh, now that you want to tackle also uh, potentially Europe and the, and the Middle East? At the moment, definitely, it's uh, it's really important uh, for us to stay here because we are still a small team, a team of 12 people, uh, and we're still building up our product. And some core parts of the product, I think, it still have to be built by uh, our Singapore team. Uh, but of course, going forward, um, we have our first few employees who we really uh, trust, who are part of the company for a very long time already. Um, uh, and we have certain ideas in order to move them to other countries. And if they want, they can build up because we try to do what we try to do is whenever we hire people, we try to, um, not to hire them as an employee, but try to educate them as well. How it's going, uh, how the company works, how it is to build up your own company. And then I think it will be really great for them as well. If they move somewhere to the new place and start to build up their new team. And then if they decide to, you know, to 
to do an entrepreneur, they will already see the whole uh, cycle of how to grow the company, how to build up the team, how to lead the team, and et cetera. So would it be kind of a potential franchise model or... or, or uh, no, no, no. I think sure the... for now, it's just going to be a Dota company. So if it's like okay. racing Singapore and then we opening up racing India or racing Canada, then we basically just... It's the same name. But then, of course, going forward, if there are some companies who want to be a distributor in certain markets, then we don't mind that as well. And how do you, um, how do you see your, your impact, uh, if any, in Turkmenistan, in terms of their startup ecosystem? Is, has this been uh, a personal drive also for you? Um, are you getting involved? What do you think of the ecosystem? Uh, in terms of the ecosystem, I think in general, in Central Asia, it's quite a new movement. It's still an early stage. Um, but of course, it's starting up. There are really a lot of great companies there uh, in Turkmenistan, in Kazakhstan, in Kyrgyzstan, in Uzbekistan. Um, because uh, we used to be nomads back in the days, yes. <laughs> a few hundred years ago. Um, and we always have this, you know, uh, I would say nomadic mindset, like stay in new place, stay in one place, like live there for a while, then go to a new place and try something new, try something new and try something new. Uh, and I think that mindset helps a lot to Central Asian uh, countries. Uh, with that, uh, of course, we just need more time in order to set up the ecosystem, the startup ecosystem. Maybe we need more support from the government as well, uh, where it helps and support local uh, small startups um but i think it will grow really big um because and it's a mix of cultures as well because it's right in the central of asia where it's a mix of like asian uh culture mindset uh, middle eastern culture mindset and of course european uh culture mindset we have um we have a hub in nur sultan in kazakhstan and it was quite yeah. impressive to see well coming from the, the this kind of russian heritage of a uh, very strong technical background, um, still work on the business development side. Um, but um, but it, was, it was very impressive to see indeed that there is this kind of resilient mindset, um, which they had, even though they come from very small countries, if I may say so. Yeah. Um, have, you, uh, have you been involved directly in, in, in building the eco ecosystem in, in, uh, in your hometown or it's, uh, it's something you don't have the time yet to do? Um, I didn't build, of course, the, the ecosystem, but um, I have some friends who are uh, building their own companies in Turkmenistan, uh, in Kazakhstan as well. Some friends who I studied here in Singapore together, they went back into Kazakhstan and then they decided uh, to start up their own companies. I think one of them even was a jury for seed stars in North Sultan. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and yeah, I think um, there's a lot of potentials in, uh, in terms of the opportunity in those markets. Uh, there's a lot of good talents, as you said, coming from the very strong technical background, uh, Russian technical education system. Um, there are a lot of uh, good talents there as well. I think it's just the right, uh, they just need the right stream in order to direct them in the right way to uh, teach them as well what needs to be done, how it needs to be done. And as I said, for entrepreneurs at the beginning, it's always like a financial stability as well, right? So no one wants to leave their stable jobs in order to, you know, try something new. Um, but there is a, at least um, a bit of support from the government or from certain incubation systems. 
then I think there'll be more uh, people tend to do a startup. Yeah, they're still very much at the beginning of the whole maturity of the ecosystem. Yes, I think there's the exactly. same education that needs to be made um, on the investment side so that there's exactly. real uh, capital inflow and smart one. Because sometimes yeah. when you look at the term sheets of the so-called <laughs> uh, local business angels, uh, I don't think they understand yet what it means yes. to do a VC investment. Exactly. Um, so I wanted to end with a couple of questions that we ask all our speakers so we can... Sure. Uh, share to the audience a bit more about your personality but um i think it'd be interesting to conclude with what do you see your impact uh what is your impact target in the years to come how would you define the, where resync will be in two five ten years down the line i think um i believe that resync will grow really uh, big and i believe that we will enable digitalization for a lot of different companies from different domains, starting from the energy, but going forward, real estate, uh, IoT integration. And we will help those companies to digitalize their asset, to adopt more digital solutions. And I think that's a, a huge impact already in terms of um, helping people to automate things. Mm. Um, and that's what our target is for the next couple of years. And uh, do you have a book, podcast, or documentary uh, that you want to share to the audience that has inspired you? I listen to a lot of different podcasts, but um, I would say um, From Zero to One was a book that um, um, I really uh, liked. And I started to read when I just started my, uh, uh, my company. It basically gives you an overview in terms of the... Um, what's happening, what are the short stories from different, uh, you know, founders, what are the struggles that they faced, uh, and basically you have that on ov overview of, like, what can happen. Because when you read about entrepreneurship, you only read, po uh, read positive things, how things need to be sure. done, and what need, uh, what's going to happen. But uh, from podcasts, from this type of books, you basically learn uh, what are the other sides, what are the downs of the doing startups, and how to overcome that as well, of course. Absolutely, which is sometimes way more interesting because there's so much yeah. noise on on how uh, how to succeed. Exactly. And uh, what um, what word or quote or phrase would describe you best? I would say always stay positive, you know, and that's, I think, uh, I always like to smile when I come to work. I always, uh, even when the things are not going well, um, I try to be positive, try not to impact the team. Uh, maybe I'll just speak in private to my co-founder, but um, it always uh, helps to keep that positive uh, vibe within the office, within your employees. Um, and even when the things are going well, it's always good to stay positive as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. enjoy the enjoy the wins uh, as much exactly. as possible. Exactly, and, you live once. So. <laughs> true. And and do you is this just a part of your personality, or do you actually yeah. put in place um, rituals, uh, maybe in hobby, sports, whatever it may be? Like what makes what makes you stay positive? I think everything. Uh, I always try to see positive things from everything, uh, whether you win, whether you lose, uh, whether you achieve something, maybe or you, it, it's not enough to achieve something, something happened well, something happened bad. Uh, you always need to see positive things because there is no time to see negative, no time to be sad, no time to be um, angry and etc. Um, 
I think we should enjoy our life to fullest. Uh, of course, we have to be uh, <laughs> there are certain rules that we have to follow, but of course, <laughs> always stay positive and enjoy. Don't be a criminal. Apart from that, exactly. Do I mean, some people enjoy different things, so <laughs> it has to be within the uh, rules. I think. And as you're one of our heroes, uh, and especially again, congratulations uh, um, in, in 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 already going so far in the Seed Stars competition. Could you share with us maybe one of your heroes? Um, my mom, I would say. <laughs> my mom is my hero. So um, why? She when we kids we don't realize that uh, what your parents do to you uh, you always like um, try to go against them and etc but once you grow older you understand i'm the only kid in my family as well so now i understand how my mom sent me when i was 11 uh, overseas and then she sent me to singapore and i'm in i'm still in singapore and she's back in Turkmenistan. and now i start to think about my own kids i would be like i will never send them anywhere because i don't want them to leave to leave me and etc right and it takes a lot of courage um, sure. uh, to send your uh, your kid away from yourself and then uh, sometimes when you know when i was a kid in back in uni they used to text me and i was like hey why they're texting me all the time but now i realize like you know it's really important um for them and for yourself as well to stay um in touch with them because of you're course. so far away and yeah, so she's my real hero. And she always supported me since day one. So I think there's so much so many hidden heroes in one entrepreneur's story yeah. between the family <laughs> and people that support that really have to take on themselves uh, the burden, but also the joys of uh, the entrepreneur and and uh, on the entrepreneur's story. So it's really yeah. a good reminder. Um, and, and, and last question, uh, because uh, uh, in Turkmenistan, the, the ecosystem is still young. What advice would you give to a young entrepreneur that uh, wants to launch? Uh, what would you uh, tell him or her? Uh, I'll say always be ambitious. Uh, don't, don't worry. Don't be scared to express your opinion. Uh, even sometimes it might be uh, laughable. So people might think like, hey, this is crazy idea. Um, don't be scared, just keep going um, because only crazy people achieve crazy ideas, you know. Um, so even if you don't think um, about it, then how are you going to achieve it, you know, if you don't believe into yeah. it. So keep believing, keep be driven and achieve new heights, yeah. So think big, think positive and exactly. just do it. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, there would be so many thank angles to continue, yeah. <laughs> to continue with. But that's a wrap for today. Uh, thank you to the audience also for sharing your stories and your comments. It's always really interesting to read about um, the different stories around the world. If you liked our podcast, please uh, share it and stay tuned for more stories of our heroes on Seed Stars podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to our hero's journey and subscribe now for more stories on Seed Stars podcast.